real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is a well-known speaker, podcaster, author, and entrepreneur who has given several hundred keynote presentations. Please welcome to the show, Grant Baldwin. Thanks for letting me hang out with you, Sarah. I appreciate it. Can you give us a little bit of your background, how you got started in being a speaker and educating others on how to be a speaker? Yeah. So if we go back in time, in high school, I was really involved in my local church and my youth pastor had a big impact on my life. And for a long time, that's kind of the path I was on. I was like, I want to do that. Like That seems like a really cool gig and and the opportunity to, to make a difference and speak. And so that's ultimately what I ended up doing for a little while is I worked at a different church as a youth pastor where I had a lot of opportunities to speak. And I, I really enjoyed speaking. Speaking is one of those things I felt like I was, I was good at, wanted to do more of, but just had no idea where to go from there and had a lot of the same questions that maybe your audience has is going, you know, how do you find gigs and how much do you charge? and who hires speakers and like, how does this world work? And so I was stalking a bunch of speakers for a long time and just peppering them with questions and doing the thing that a lot of us do when we're getting started in whatever endeavor. We're just finding someone who's doing something similar and, and asking all the possible questions. And so that's what I did for a long time and eventually figured a few things out and booked a few gigs and booked a few more gigs and more gigs. And eventually I was doing it full time and I was doing 60, 70 gigs a year. Then I got to a point where I had a lot of people who were asking me like, hey, I want to be a speaker. I want to, whether that's speak full time or I want to you know, do a few gigs here or there, but I just don't know how to find gigs or how much to charge or, you know, a lot of the same challenges I had when I got started. And so then we started getting into more of the teaching and training and, and teaching people how do you find the book gigs and how does this world work? And so that's the core of what we do today is teaching people the ins and outs of the, the speaking industry. And that's through the speaker lab? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Can you give us some reasons why people would maybe want to be a speaker or how it could maybe advance their business? Yeah. So the nice thing with speaking is there, there, it's not a one size fits all, meaning that that there's no right or wrong amount to do it or how to speak. And what I mean by that is there are speakers who they want to speak, you know, 50, 60, 70 times a year, a hundred times a year, and that's all they want to do. And that's fine. And there's also a lot of speakers that we work with who say, I have an, another business or I have a full-time job or I'm a, a stay-at-home mom or whatever. And I can't do, I don't want to speak full-time, but I would love to do, I don't know, five gigs a year. And I just don't know, again, how do I find those and how much do I charge? Or what do I speak about? And so there are a lot of speakers who speak in a variety of different ways. There are speakers who speak and say, hey, I'm, I, I want to go speak and I want to collect a check and I want to get be a, a paid speaker. And others who would say, you know, I want to use speaking as lead generation for other parts of the business. So if you have some type of product or service or brand or something else that you're offering on the back end, speaking can work really, really well for lead gen for that. So it is important for you to think through, although I'm certainly biased and think that like, speaking works for everyone, you have to be able to think through, how do I want speaking to fit into my business? Because the way... It, 
fit into my personal business, Grant's business, five years ago or 10 years ago is also different than it is now. I still use speaking, but and it's still a key part of my business, but it looks different based on what the, the overall business model looks like. So it just kind of depends on what your goals are for the business. And then you can kind of reverse engineer how speaking fits into that. And how do people get speaking gigs? I imagine that's something that you go over in the speaker lab, but are there some tips that you could give the listeners on how to go about that? Yeah, we just released a new book called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid and Building Your Platform. And so in the book, it just walks through a five-step process of exactly what you need to do. And it makes the acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K. And so we'll kind of go over that. I'll give you the big picture view and then we can dig in wherever you want. But the first step of the process is S, to select a problem to solve. And this comes down to two key things. You want to be really clear on who you speak to and what is the problem that you solve for that audience, right? So we are in the problem-solving business. So that's the first part of the process. The second part, P, is to prepare your talk, prepare your solution. Once you know what, who you speak to, what you speak about, then preparing the, the talk or the solution. The E is establishing yourself as the expert. So uh, especially having your marketing assets in place, having a website, having a demo video in place. The A is acquiring paid speaking gigs. So having a system, a process to be able to find and book gigs. So most speakers make the mistake of saying, okay, I, I got the first parts of the process in place. I have my website, I have my video. I know who I speak to. I know what I speak about. And I just sit back and I wait for the phone to ring. It just doesn't work like that. Like, you have to have a system to be able to, to consistently find and book gigs. And then the last part of the process is K is know when to scale. Know when to scale, meaning that a lot of people who, who may be listening are interested in speaking, but are also interested in writing a book or coaching or consulting or doing a course or doing any number of things. And so we tell speakers all the time, you can do all the things, but you can't do them all at once. So if something's going to come first, something's going to come last. You have to be really clear about the steps that you need to take to create the kind of business that you want to have. So when someone is just starting out as a speaker, do you recommend them doing it for free initially to gain exposure and experience? Yeah. So I think there's definitely a misconception in the speaking industry that speaking for free is a bad thing. So I would say this, speaking for free is okay as long as you know why you're doing it. Don't just do it out of the goodness of your heart, right? So you're providing something of value and so you need to receive something of value in exchange. Now, the value that you receive in exchange can look a lot of different ways. So one of the things that you mentioned was practice. The way that you become better as a speaker is that you speak. And, and that's no different than anything else. If you want to become better as a, a piano player or a singer or a writer or a podcaster, you got to do it. You have to have reps there. And the same thing is true with speaking. The more you speak, the better you become, the more comfortable that you, you get at it. Uh, and so that's absolutely one of the best ways to, the, why it may make sense for you to speak for free is just that you get better, that you get a lot of those reps in. So I'll give you a quick example. I really enjoy playing golf and I'm not great at it. I'm getting better at it. And so one of the things that in order to get better as a golfer is I can watch some YouTube videos. I could read a book. I could watch some professionals play on TV. But one of the best things for me to do is just get clubs and go hit and go play. And so this morning I went out and I got up early and went and played and I had a great time and, and I want to get better. I want to improve. And so actually doing the thing helps you to improve at that thing. So that may be a reason why it may make sense for you to speak for free. Another reason may be if you have some type of product or service that you're offering. So let me give you an example. A couple of years ago, I was invited to speak at a, a conference and just do a workshop for them. And they, they weren't paying their workshop presenters, which is not uncommon in the conference world. They weren't going to cover my travel or anything. So I knew it was going to make sense because I, I showed up there 
And I, as soon as I show up, like, remember, I have not been paid anything. I paid my own travel, my own way to get there. And so I'm already in the hole. I've already lost money, so to speak, just by being there. But do a good workshop. I had several audience members who ended up hiring me for coaching or consulting, some that purchased our some of our different training programs. And then the presentation went really, really well. And the event planner, the guy who, who was putting on the event, came up to me afterwards and said, hey, I've heard great feedback about your session. We would love for you to be one of the keynotes next year at the conference, which was a, a paid opportunity. So I can look back on that one gig, and this is just, again, kind of one example, doing that one gig for free, which on, again, on paper would be like, well, why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. But I can point to thousands and thousands of dollars in revenue that was generated from that. So it's absolutely worth it because I was speaking to the right type of audience. Other reasons why it may make sense is for travel. Like One, one of the things I know a lot of speakers and entrepreneurs enjoy is, is travel. And so my wife has jokingly said that I will speak for free in, in Hawaii if, if you pay for the family to come along, right? I had a friend of mine who recently, last year or so, he was invited to speak at something in Europe and their budget was a little bit lower than what he was interested in. And so I said, let's turn this into a vacation. And so he ultimately, they were able to pay for the travel for he and his wife. They were able to pay for extra accommodations for several nights. So he was able to be paid for it a little bit less than he would have liked, but he was also able to then to cover the bulk of their vacation expense. And they were able to turn it into a, a year European trip. So there's a lot of ways to get value out of this beyond whether or not I got a check or I didn't get a check. So I think that, again, that's a big, big misconception. What I would really encourage speakers to not do, though, is just say, well, I just like speaking. Speaking is just fun. So I just want to do it for free. I just want to give my stuff away. You are running a business. And so you have to treat it as such. This is this is not a hobby. Okay. And, and if it is a hobby, that's fine. Just treat it as a hobby. Like don't be expected to be paid for a hobby. But if you're treating it like a bit, if you want it to be a business, if you want to be, get paid, you want to be taken seriously, then you need to run it like a business. So making sure that you are if you're doing something for free that you are, you remember you're providing value. And so you have to receive value in exchange for that. And I imagine you'd almost have to do free initially so that you could at least get a demo video of you speaking or something to, I mean, cause you're not gonna be able to probably get a paid speaking gig right out the gate. You probably have to show them some sort of portfolio of past sessions that you've done, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, and and the a couple of thoughts there. Like one is that every speaker starts from zero. I think oftentimes we assume, oh, look at that, they're amazing. They speak at these big conferences or these big events or they're on these big stages. I can never do that. But I, I promise you, you may have seen that speaker now and they may be amazing. But there was a point where they they were not speaking on the stages, and there's a point where they sucked and they were not a great speaker. Uh, and so don't assume like. Now, don't compare where you're at to where they're at. That's not fair to either one of you. So understand and, and realize that that everyone starts from zero. Everyone starts from scratch. The other thing I would say is that when it comes to like the demo video, demo video is really important for speakers because it, it's going to give like a little preview of what it's like to work with you, right? So think of it like a movie trailer. Before anybody would go see a movie, oftentimes we want to see a trailer. We don't need to see the whole movie. We don't need to read a long synopsis. Of it. We just need to see like two or three minutes. And within those two or three minutes, not even with that, even within like the first 30 seconds, you have a pretty good idea of who's in it, what's the plot, what's the theme. And the point of a movie trailer and the point of a demo video is to make people want to see more. And so that's exactly what you're trying to do is, is show here's a little sample, two or three minutes, and maybe you're a great speaker. Maybe you're just not what they are looking for, but maybe you're a great fit. And they say, that is awesome. That is exactly what we need for our event, for our conference, for our group, for our gathering. And so that's what you want to be able to show. Now, to your point, there is kind of this chicken egg situation of, you know, I need gigs in order to get footage. I need footage in order to get gigs. And so, yeah, you may, that may be another reason why maybe you want to speak at something for free is just to get good footage. So that's an option. Uh, another option is that you could speak, this sounds 
weird, but you could speak to an empty room. Now, if you're going to do this, do this in some type of setting where someone would actually hire you to speak. So don't do it in, you know, your kitchen or your living room, your bedroom or anything like that. Like go to like a, an auditorium, a theater, uh, a banquet hall, you know, a boardroom, some type of setting where someone would actually hire you to speak because you want them to get the full picture and the full setting of like, yeah, I could see this person speaking at my event. If you're talking to a camera in an empty room and in your kitchen, people are going like, they're in their kitchen. I'm not hiring someone to come speak in my kitchen, right? So you want to make sure that you're connecting the dots for them of what it's like to work with you. So yeah, speaking for free to get demo video footage is another reason why it may make sense. And I imagine maybe joining a local Toastmasters might be helpful as well. Yeah, it could be. It just uh, kind of depends what your goals are. And so there are certainly pros and cons to Toastmasters. There are thousands and thousands of chapters of Toastmasters. So I highly recommend that any speaker goes to their local chapter near you and just gives it a shot, tries it out. Toastmasters will give you practice. It will give you reps. The thing I don't like about Toastmasters is it can be a little bit formulaic and robotic and that they teach you know this one system and, and I have to speak this way. And it starts to come across really robotic. So it's important to remember as speakers that uh, you are one human talking to a collection of other humans. So act like a human. And so it's possible, I think, sometimes in the Toastmasters world to be overly polished and overly rehearsed and you are really regurgitating a script and it's important to be practiced and prepared and polished yeah but i think it's also easy to to go too far on the extreme but by all means like go to a local toastmasters know that the goal there is you're going to get some practice you're going to get some at bats you're going to get some reps but it's not necessarily something where you're going to go and and book gigs out of it because that's not not really what it's designed for yeah just for practice and whatnot Uh, i've thought about joining one because i've thought about maybe implementing speak that brings up a point that I wanted to ask about. As far as a topic to determine like what your topic is, but you got to approach it from a different angle than someone else may be covering that topic to be unique and stand out. What do you recommend for determining how you're different or how you can approach a subject differently than someone else? Yeah, there are. Uh, there's no shortage of people who speak on leadership or motivation or customer service or change or marriage or family. And, and so I, I don't think that it's necessarily like you have to do something distinctly different than anyone else in the world is doing it because there are plenty of leadership speakers in the world and there are plenty of events looking for leadership speakers. And so one, it's not like any one speaker can, all right, I'm, I got it. I'm the leadership speaker, right? They can't speak at every possible event on leadership, nor are they going to be a great fit for every possible event on leadership. So I don't, I, I, I wouldn't overthink like I have to be uh, radically different than any other speaker that is out there. If you're in the personal finance space, you probably teach people how to budget. And there are a lot of people who teach how to budget. So it's not that, you know, even if they're like, well, you know, everyone has their unique way of doing it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we're saying maybe a lot of the same things on what the end goal is with budgeting. So I wouldn't overthink it too much about that. I think uh, what's important, though, for speakers to remember is that Remember, you are in the problem solving business. So a mistake a lot of speakers make is we're interested in speaking. And so we just say like, okay, I just want to speak and I love speaking. And what do I speak about? I don't, you know, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak about anything, you know? And who do I speak to? I, I speak to people. I speak to humans. My, my message is for everyone. But if you try to do that, then you're trying to create something that's for everybody and nobody at the same time. And so one of the things we tell speakers all the time is that you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet. The steakhouse and not the buffet. And what we mean by that is, you know, if we were looking for a good steak, we could 
could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred different things that they offer and they're all mediocre. Or you could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really well. So they don't do pizza. They don't do tacos. They don't do lasagna. They don't do cupcakes. They do steak. And that is it. And so it's counterintuitive because we think, but wait, if I'm a buffet, I can offer more things and I can reach a wider group of people. But like nobody's excited about going to a buffet, right? If I'm looking, if I go to a buffet because I'm excited about a, you know, tacos, I'm probably better off just going to a a place that just does tacos, you know, or if I'm excited about steak, I'm going to go to a place that just does steak versus trying to go somewhere where they offer a whole bunch of things and they're all mediocre at best. So as speakers, one of the best things you can do is say, no, no, I solve one specific problem for one specific audience. And by doing that, I attract the right type of audience, but I also repel the wrong type of audience. So, you know, vegetarians aren't going to steakhouses and that's okay. Like steakhouses shouldn't try to appeal to anybody and everybody, like maybe a buffet might, right? You say, no, no, I I do this. I solve this one specific problem for this one specific audience. And by doing that, it actually makes it easier to attract the right type of customer or client and repel the wrong ones versus trying to be all things for all people. So then as a speaker, at least starting out, should you just have one speech, like one go-to speech that you always do? And then- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, again, a mistake that uh, speakers make, especially early on is is saying, you know, what do you want me to speak about? Or I have, you know, a dozen different talks that I can do. It's kind of like going to a restaurant where they have like a 14 page menu. It's like, surely not all these things can be good. One of our favorite places to eat here locally, I live in the Nashville area and our family loves this little taco shop and they have like 10 different tacos that they offer. And that's pretty much it. But all the, the, the tacos are great. They're not trying to appeal to everyone. Like we do tacos and that's it versus trying to do again, all things for all people. So for speakers who are working on a talk, I I think it's better for a speaker to have one, maybe two great talks versus 10 mediocre talks that is like, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, I've put it together, but it's just okay. Have a great talk that's really, really, really strong versus a bunch of ones that are kind of half-baked. And what tips would you have for creating a good session? Yeah. So a way to think about it is kind of like Lego pieces. And so whenever you have like these different bits, these different chunks and so it could be a Lego piece, so to speak. It could be a story. It could be a, an anecdote. It could be a stat. It could be an analogy. It could be you know kind of a, a key point or principle or an idea. And so you have these different pieces that can kind of go together in different ways. But you always want to begin with the end in mind. Like, what's the point of this? You always want to think through answering two questions. An audience is always asking, so what? And now what? So what and now what? So so what? That's a great story. That's great that you overcame that obstacle. That's great that you accomplished that thing. That's great that you climbed Mount Everest. That's great that you won that gold medal. That's great that you conquered cancer. So what? What does it have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? So you always want to connect the dots for an audience there. Uh, And then now what? What am I supposed to do as a result of that? That was a good talk. That was interesting. That was a fascinating story. But now what? what? What am I supposed to do? with that information. And so you always want to connect the dots for the audience to make sure that they are clear on so what and now what. Why does it matter? And what do you want them to do? And so again, going back to like the Lego pieces is that the pieces that come together to create that talk can look a lot of different ways. So you can watch a hundred different TED Talks and you can see a hundred different types of presentations. Just tell one story and that works. And some would tell a bunch of different stories and some that say more data-driven and more stats and some that do more analogies. And like they all work, right? In the same way that you can see a whole bunch of different types of formats for movies and they're all effective. They can all work, but it's not necessarily like this one size fits all that you, you know, you have to do an intro and then you have to do three points and then you have to do a conclusion or you have to tell them what you're going to tell them and then tell them and tell them what you told them. And some of these like, yes, those things work, 
but don't feel like that's the only possible way to, to create a talk. Yeah, I recently joined the Youpreneur Academy with Chris Tucker, and I've been going through and watching the Youpreneur Summit videos from previous years. And I'm just like, wow, these are really good talks. They usually have a story of some sort or they involve the audience in some way and then usually have some sort of takeaway or call to action. It's interesting how different they all are, but yet how good they all are. Yeah. And again, it's easy to watch videos uh, like that of great, high quality professional speakers and think, ah, that's intimidating or daunting or overwhelming. But again, remember, there was a time they gave their first talk too. And there's a time where they gave a talk and it didn't go so well. And so don't get caught up in like comparing where they are to where you are. And then once someone gets to the point where they feel they can start charging, I know that's one of the things you go over. How does someone figure out what they should start charging and then at what point they should increase it? Yeah. So a, a couple of thoughts there. One would be there are a, a variety of different variables and factors that go into how much someone should charge. So one's going to be your industry. You can charge more in some industries versus other. You can charge more speaking to corporations versus nonprofits. You can charge more speaking to colleges versus elementary schools. It's not that one's better or worse than the other. You can just each one kind of has their its own fee ranges there. Another variable and factor is going to be your experience as a speaker. So if you've been doing this you know, for 20 years versus someone who's just been doing it for a couple months, someone who's been doing it for a while is probably just a better speaker and it's going to present a better product versus you're just getting started. And another variable and factor is going to be your marketing materials. So your website, your video, you want to make sure that they look sharp, that they look professional. It doesn't mean that you need to have spent tens of thousands of dollars on it, but whether we like it or not, people judge books by their cover. And so if someone goes to your website and your website sucks, or doesn't look professional, people will assume that the same about you as a speaker. Even though that may not be true, may not be accurate, but people will make those assumptions based on your site or based on your video. So you want to make sure that they do look sharp, that they look good. So all those factors consider, we actually put together a, a free tool because when people ask, hey, how much should I charge as a speaker? The reality is, is that it, it depends, but it depends is a horrible answer that doesn't help anyone. And so we put together a free calculator that you can go to myspeakerfee.com. You can answer a couple different questions there and it will tell you what you should be charging as a speaker. Now, again, it's not gospel and it's much more of an art than a science, but it gives you at least a starting point. It's also, we actually recently updated it given what's going on in the world right now at the time of this recording with COVID and everything that more and more speakers and more and more events are happening virtually. So how does that change uh, speaking fees? So we've updated the calculator to include virtual as a, like, how do you price virtual engagements versus uh, in-person things? And so, yeah, go check that out over at myspeakerfee.com. Now, as for the second part of your question, as far as like, when do you raise? fees. Some of it's going to be, again, a bit based on what your, you know, kind of what your business model is. So I'll give another example. There was a, a student that we worked with in one of our programs and their primary business was a coaching business. And so they were doing several, multiple six figures in revenue from their coaching business, but their entire coaching business was built upon speaking for free at events. And so they would speak for free as lead gen for their coaching business. And so if you, you look at the business model and you're going like, well, wait a minute, you're doing all these gigs for free. Like, why would you do that? But their whole, they would tell you the whole business was built upon speaking for free as lead gen for this other part of the business. And so for them, maybe it doesn't make sense to charge at all because that's what the model is for them. For other people, I would look at it through the lens of kind of supply and demand. And so if you look at, uh, think of it like a hotel, there are, if you take a hotel in, let's say in Times Square in New York City, right? It's going to tend to fluctuate depending on if it's a weekday or if it's a weekend. But if you look at New Year's Eve, for example, that one room, pick a room in Times Square that overlooks Times Square, it's probably going to cost thousands of dollars for that room. But if you get that exact same room on January 15th, 
it's probably going to be significantly less, right? Just based purely on supply and demand. And so as a speaker, if you're doing a lot of gigs, you want to do a lot of gigs, but the demand far exceeds the supply, then you should charge more, right? Versus if you said, I don't really want to do many of these. And if I can just do a few here or there, and maybe it doesn't make sense for you to, to raise your fee. So uh, a lot of it depends on what your goals are as a speaker. And so for someone who's just looking to start out and do those free types of speaking gigs, where is a good, is there a good central place to go like a directory or is it more like they figure out maybe different organizations, companies, events that might make sense and then contact those people directly? Yeah. And so just because you're clear on who you speak to, what you speak about, just because you have a website and a video doesn't mean anybody cares. And so that alone is like, you can't just like, okay, now I just sit back and I wait for the phone to ring. Like it just doesn't work like that. So you absolutely want to let people know what it is that you do. But this also comes back to you being really, really clear on who you speak to and what's the problem that you solve for that audience. And so one thing you can certainly do is you can reach out to potential events that you would be a good fit for. Because, you know, if you are, let's say that you speak on personal finance and you find some person finance conference, they're probably going to hire speakers. You don't have to convince them to hire speakers. You're just showing them why you are a good fit for their event. So you can absolutely do that. But you can also make sure that that you let everyone in your sphere of influence know that you're a speaker and know who you speak to. Your friends, family, your coworkers, colleagues, anyone in your sphere of influence, make it sure that they know that you're a speaker. Now, you may be thinking, but nobody in my sphere of influence hires speakers. And maybe not. Like My mom's not hiring speakers, but she may know of someone who is. And so if, if people don't know your speaker, they're not going to think to recommend you. So you want to make sure that you are top of mind with everyone in your sphere of influence as a speaker and make sure that they know what it is that you speak about. And the last thing I wanted to ask you about was if you could explain the speaker lab. You kind of briefly mentioned it in the beginning, I think, but how that helps and I guess what different areas that can help someone starting out with speaking. So for someone who's listening right now, who's interested in speaking, you can absolutely take everything we've told you and walk through today and you can go implement it and apply it. But if you want to go deeper with us, definitely go check out thespeakerlab.com. Uh, there's several different free resources there. I mentioned the speaker fee calculator. We also, I mentioned the, the new book that we have, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid and Building Your Platform. That goes more in depth on this. But if you want, we have several different training programs and, and some coaching programs that if people are interested in, again, all the information uh, on that is over at thespeakerlab.com. I actually have that book in my Amazon save for later list. I've got like a hundred books okay. in my save for later. So I gotta, you got to move that to the cart. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like this because <laughs> that sounds really good. That would be helpful. So I think I'm going to add that to my cart then and that'll be my next book. Well, cool. I appreciate your time today. And was there anything else that you wanted to go over or touch on that I hadn't? Yeah. So what I would remind speakers of is, and those that are interested in speaking is everything we walk through and we, we cover is it's simple, but it's not easy. So it still requires work. It still requires discipline. It's kind of like if you, you know, if you wanted to lose five pounds, what do, what do you need to do? You need to pay attention to what you eat and you need to exercise. I'm no health or fitness guru, but I know those are pretty much the two things. It's really simple, but it's not easy. It still requires work, still requires effort, still requires discipline. And so the same thing is true with, with speaking. Same thing is true with entrepreneurship, that it's simple, but it's not easy. It still requires a, a lot of work, but you you can absolutely do this. Well, I appreciate your time. And people can go to thespeakerlab.com or grantbaldwin.com. And then I'll also have show notes. Thanks, Sarah. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? 
Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.